whatsoever. I think for me, really, everything I put into a film is based on the idea of me wanting to you know, pay my ten pounds and sit in a movie theater and, and watch that that on screen. That's really where I I try to stick to that initial impulse of making a film that I want to see. This is the clapboard. This is our sixth episode special. Apologize for the wait. It has been about four months. That's 120 days. It's um, it's been a long ride, but that just shows that we've put 120 days worth of work into this episode. Thank you for joining us. You're probably asking yourself, what's taken them so long? Why has it been 120 days since the last episode? So we have several announcements for this new episode. We have a new co-host in the building. We have Tyler, professionally known as TGJD, or TJJD, TJGD. TGDJ. What's going on, Tyler? What's up? <laughs> we are. My initials. We fired Caleb. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um, yeah, Caleb's not here. He's been terminated. He's been terminated. Caleb grew up and he got an internship. And even yeah. though he has the same schedule as Paxton, he said he has no time. He's too busy. So <laughs> Tyler will be uh, filling in so for the meantime. In for Caleb, who is my roommate. Yes, they are roommates. That is an important fact. So <laughs> that's. That is the only announcement. <laughs> so welcome, Tyler, aboard to our, our crew. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, today's episode, we'll be doing Django, The Django Unchained. It is was released back in 2012, directed by Quentin Tostado. It stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Carrie Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, and a bunch of others. So, quick first thoughts. What did you think of this movie? Um, I'm a little biased because this is, to me, the greatest movie that's ever been made. Like, not even joking. All right, well, that is so a... Uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's quite a compliment. So I'm a little bit... Yeah, I'm, I'm heavily biased, so just keep that in mind the entire time. But no lie, that's this good. is, the, to me, like, this is the best movie ever made. Like, all around. Like, I get that everyone doesn't like it, but... Like, there's some movies that people don't like that I like, and I understand, but this movie, I think, should be everyone on Earth's favorite movie, so... All right, that's a, that's a a pretty high stature you were placing this movie <laughs> upon, so this will be interesting, because um, I would kind of disagree as the best movie of all time, but, but as, I do... I think most people would. As 95% of the population, but it was a good one. Um, I, I'm a fan of Tarantino... On some occasions, he's kind of a hit or miss director for me. So I like his style, but there are a lot of films of his that I do not care for. Django is, is one that I do care for, though. I do like it. I, I wasn't a big What's fan of Reservoir Dogs. Care. Reservoir Dogs is my first Tarantino movie that I ever saw, and it's I don't know. I've I've never been a fan of that movie for some reason. I just I don't I've know. I've seen it. Uh, Pulp Fiction I like. Uh, Hateful Eight. Uh, I don't know. I just watched it the other day for like the second time, and I didn't really yeah. care for it the first time. Nothing really changed my second viewing. Never been a big fan of the Kill Bill movies. I haven't seen those either. I've only seen his new stuff. I've seen Hateful Eight, Django, Pulp Fiction, and The Glorious Bastards. That's all I've seen. Yeah, I, I just never got into Kill Bill, Jackie Brown. 
I've seen once, and I was just I so bored of Jackie Brown. It's on a, uh, it's on Netflix. I think, yeah, Samuel Jackson's that one. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know. He's just kind of a hit or miss. I, I just like, I just don't like those movies. But I do like Django, and I love Inglorious Bastards. That's definitely my favorite Tarantino yeah, movie. Are, that, I don't know if I like Hateful Eight or Inglorious Bastards better. I think, I don't know. I've seen Hateful Eight three or four times. I've seen Inglorious Bastards twice. Django's by by large the my favorite, obviously. But Django's a good one. It, yeah, I, what I've I noticed is it. people know Quentin Tarantino and they either see a movie that he directs and they either have a preconception that they don't like him, so then they automatically go into a movie not liking it and they really have to have their mind changed. Or they go into a movie just loving Quentin Tarantino and he, nothing he does can be bad and then they'll defend that the movie is good no matter what, even if it's terrible. Well, and at the time, whenever this movie was released, uh, there was a lot of, there was just a lot of word going around that there was heavy racism in the film because yeah. it's about a slave, and yeah. so a lot of people, yeah, were just kind of hating on the movie without even have seeing it just because of yeah talk. Um, and Samuel L. Jackson kind of defended him on that because he was like, people were saying Tarantino was racist because for some reason in all his movies he has just like heavy racism but right I mean, that doesn't necessarily make him a racist Just right because someone in the 1800s was racist and he makes a film about it doesn't mean he's and racist. jamie fox but samuel L. jackson came out defended him so well nice. and so did jamie fox because before the movie oh, i've okay. seen like several interviews and stuff and uh before the movie was like shot and everything uh because tarantino usually writes his characters for specific actors and when he was writing for uh jamie fox he was you know he had a he had a chat with him and everything and like pretty much just let him know hey this movie's gonna have heavy racism in it yeah and then word will be used multiple times and everything and um yeah. but he just kind of <laughs> multiple times. yeah emphasis on the multiple <laughs> um times. yeah and so he was just kind of like clarifying that and just letting him know uh and jamie fox is cool with it you know he understood like because they wanted to bring up a realistic film which yeah. is what tarantino does so well when it comes to dialogue like slavery didn't happen just because it's over now right 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 so uh which i mean is honestly like really interesting and i'm glad yeah. that everyone was kind of on the same page with that so here we have Django yeah. Unchained, and it honestly just sells the movie that much more the big thing that the one compliment well i have several comments but like the my favorite thing about tarantino as a writer is dialogue that dude can play yeah. can paint a situation really well he I, I, I don't know what it is. He just grabs the viewer and all of his films, no matter what. They Like Pulp Fiction, for example. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah, I have. Okay, I so so this is an example of the hooks that he uses. So at the very beginning of Pulp Fiction, the first shot opens you know, with uh, those two people at the diner. And like the first words that are said is, I think it's like, I don't know, that sounds risky. Something like that, but involves saying risky. So, boom, yeah. like, right on the spot, they're talking about a plan that seems to be, you know, a high risk, but high reward. Yeah. So, yeah. instantly, you're soaked in, like, what is what is the plan? Like, what what's risky? Like, what you know what I mean? You already have, like, several questions just yeah. from a few words. So, that's kind of how he does. And he does that throughout his films, too. Not just at the beginning, but, like, just... And he'll always build up to a specific point or a, a story or anything like that yeah. and he'll keep the viewer interested throughout the whole film so that's what he does pretty well and he always he just uh another thing he, that i like in his movies it's kind of weird but he has something with food you know he always adds <laughs> some type of uh 
food yeah, in his the movies. The white cake scene, which is one of my favorites in Django. The strudel the scene in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The strudel. the strudel scene is my favorite scene in Inglorious Bastards. That scene Pulp is incredible. Fiction, in the, the coffee. Diner. Yeah, the uh, diner. Yeah, but the diner, the coffee. I think of the coffee. Hateful yeah, hateful eight. They poison the coffee. Spoiler. They, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, there's some of the food thing in there. I can't remember. Oh, the the chili, the chili scene in hateful eight when he's <laughs> like, "This is not, uh, this is not her chili." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, "I've been coming up here getting chili for however many years, and this is not her chili." Um, so he, right. I didn't realize that he does have some of the food. He also has uh, I, what we were saying about the accents the other day, just about like he doesn't like he he will have a German just speak in German, right? Yeah, or he'll have like a that person in in Glorious Passage have the French person speaking in French. He doesn't just have an English speaker with a French or German accent, right? And it just makes it that much more real because yeah. most of the movie in Glorious Bastards isn't English; it's German and French. Which is really cool because yeah. it, it feels more authentic and it's very immersive. Yeah, you don't have these German leaders speaking English <laughs> with a German accent like a lot of films do, which I'd never yeah. get. It's like, why are you so afraid to have an actual like? Which makes German... for some cool moments in that movie. Which I feel like we're talking about that movie more than this one. But <laughs> it's just like... a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Django. Yeah. Let's just do Glorious Bastards. Like when when Brad Pitt's like. He he doesn't speak German that well. None of them do. And then the guy's trying to talk to him in German, and it gets like it's weird. Italian. You no, know, he can't understand. Or Italian. They're, they're trying to speak Italian. He can't understand what he's saying. Which yeah. that's a uh, that leads to one of my favorite actors of all time is Christoph Waltz, who Tarantino uses in uh, yeah. Inglorious Bastards and and Django. He's one of the characters. One of Oscar um, for Django. Yes, actor. yes, dude, he was amazing Over. in Django. Leonardo DiCaprio's incredible performance. <laughs> Dude, he was good at this movie. Everyone any, was good at this movie. Everyone. Was, I, if there's any movie I would have given Leonardo DiCaprio an Oscar for beside The Revenant, it would be probably Django. Well, it's because Tarantino writes his characters for these actors. Yeah. So, like, that's why... Yeah. Right, so that's why he does it so well. It's just like, yeah, he knows who he's working with beforehand. But, and, and with that, and same with Christoph Waltz. Um, he's just an incredible actor, and... The reason uh, I saw an interview that Tarantino was talking about Inglorious Bastards, and he said uh, he wrote Hans Londo for Christoph Waltz specifically, and he said yeah. he needed him to be, I think he said, I think it's trilingual, he needed to speak French, German, Italian, well, and English. So he needed to speak four, he needed to speak four languages. And oh. he said if Christoph Waltz wasn't able to do that, then the movie would have never been made. Because he wouldn't have cast it anyone else Inglourious, for Inglorious really? Bastards, wow. yeah. So luckily, Christoph Waltz could already like speak multiple languages. Uh, wow. But yeah, he said thanks to that, that's why the movie's made. Because he it, it wouldn't have been made if, if it weren't for that. So it's pretty incredible because he can speak all those languages. In the um, movie. Speaking of, of speaking, something that is a reoccurring theme in Tarantino movies, which is a huge part in Django, is he has these really long dinner table scenes, or just table scenes, I guess. Yeah. In every movie, Hateful Eight. Most of the movie, like, like the second half of the movie, there's like literally they're sitting at a table for 30 minutes talking. Well, the beginning of like, uh, Inglorious Bastards when they're yeah the, the, milk the uh, and... underground bar scene and then the strudel scene yeah and then uh, Django finally the uh, just the whole last super tense scene that builds up to the shooting and stuff and so and... it's just like that's like how this plot he like developed his plot through doing that it's just dinner table scenes and that's where dialogue becomes such an importance because when they're when you have characters sitting at a table. It needs to be interesting, or you're not gonna care, and it's gonna be boring. And there's so many movies like that where there's so much talking, but mm -hmm. they make it so boring because they try to Hollywoodize it and make it 
something yeah. that it wouldn't happen. It ju- yeah, it just sounds like conversations that people just don't have yeah. on the daily. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of things in film uh, filmmakers do that's I don't know that's that makes scenes like that even more boring is that typically like successful films that have good scenes that relies heavily on dialogue they have the actors doing something as they're speaking because if you're just sitting at a table you know it's just going to be it's just boring like there's not you know especially if it's a long drawn out scene but typically like they'll have the actors walk around and do something or whatever while they speak so it keeps you interested but tarantino doesn't do that but yet his dialogue is so good that you want to pay attention (laughs) so it's pretty amazing not not a lot of directors have that yeah but uh he definitely does. Actually, so, his movies are like action. I would say action packed. I guess to an extent, not like Marvel movie action packed, but a lot of action scenes. And then he he moves his plot forward by, like even the beginning of this, they have the whole scene where they ride into town, and then he's trying to get the sheriff because the sheriff turns out he's uh, he has a bounty on him. Right. And then to explain what's going on, him and Django sit down. Christoph Waltz and Django sit down at a table. They get I think like a beer. In the beer down, scene. And then yeah, they that's talk, another they one. Talk about what's going on. <laughs> so it's like, and then a bunch of action happens. He's trying to figure out who Django is. They sit down like on this like cliffside, starts talking about uh, his wife, and then that's like how it's. I think I just think that's cool. It's like that's how he moves the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He. 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 Uh... He's definitely one of the greater uh, directors working this time, but like I said, his movies are just hit or miss for me. I either love them or I, yeah, I just don't so care I said for mine. them. What's your like overall view of Django? Because you said you like Django. So I like Django. Um, I, I there's just a couple of things that I'm just not uh, a fan of. I like I like Western movies, but I'm very picky about them. Mm. And yeah. since this is a Western, it's it's I don't know, like it. it that's the one thing about this movie that I didn't care for is I just didn't like how how hard it was trying to be a western. I know Quentin Tarantino likes yeah. western movies. Um, I don't know. I just I just I didn't care for that. And I guess since I love World War II movies, that's why Inglorious is one of my favorites of all time. But uh, Three Ten Yuma is one of my favorites uh, okay, western yeah, movies yeah. of all time. That's a good one. So something Tarantino does, he has like very distinct scenes is what i've noticed he'll have like a very like this scene is starting at this point the scene is ending at this point he has like very distinct scenes mm-hmm. so what is your like favorite scene from this movie from Django? um because like even like there's the intro scene it starts out mm-hmm. he starts yelling he yells at crystal you know who's that stumbling around in the dark state your name prepare to get winged they have this scene he takes Django. that scene's like it's a very definite that scene started that scene's completely over change of setting and, and it's not like a there's not like traveling scenes really or stuff like that right so, um well my favorite scene in the movie isn't isn't like that it my favorite scene in the movie is the white cake scene whenever oh, yeah. whenever uh dicaprio is about to make the deal with christoph waltz they're selling uh he, he's basically purchasing Django's wife um yeah anyway so he they celebrate with white cake and you can just tell christoph waltz uh what's his character's name in the movie um Oh, Do, uh, Dr. Schultz. Heard... It's Dr. Yeah, Schultz. Yeah. Um, Dr. Schultz is obviously not fond of DiCaprio, especially after they kind of they found out um, yeah. what their plan was, that they were uh, married. But anyway, that scene is just so great to me because DiCaprio, you know, he's he thinks he's got him, and he's got the he's getting twelve thousand dollars. He's bringing him white cake, white cake, which was a delicacy back then. Only the rich yeah. really had cake. Uh, white uh, white cake like that, but anyway, so he had uh, brings him a slice, and Doctor Schultz refuses it, 
And I've always loved the look on DiCaprio's face whenever, like, he says, no thanks, you know, he's just kind of like, okay, like, you just refused, you know, it's just kind of an insult yeah. to, towards him. Yeah. And then he, um, he, he says, you know, Bruin, that I got the best of you or something like that. And, and he's just thinking about, he just gives him a, uh, he just gives him a little hit from, uh, the book, uh, Three Musketeers. He's like, yeah. you know, I, I wonder what the author of Three Musketeers would think of today because <laughs> of the the slave that he fed to the dogs or whatever. And yeah. DiCaprio is like, oh, you think he would disagree? And he's like, yes, I think he would disagree. And he's like, oh, self-taught at Frenchie. And he's like, well, he's black. Yeah, he's <laughs> black. Yeah, and he just kind of lays that on him. <laughs> and he's just like, oh. Um, and then they sign the papers or whatever. And then and then Christoph Waltz tries to make his escape. And DiCaprio is like, one moment, you know the handshake and then that's when all basically yeah, the fighting it, starts that seems and... cool because it like it makes it personal for christoph right Waltz, dr schultz it like makes it like it's not his wife he's yeah not... he's not he's not yeah it's, at that moment it's no longer him helping out uh jango yeah and it's weird it's like it's not he could have literally just walked out of there and, and yeah he would have lost money on it but it's like it's not his like he's not well i guess it did get from hilda either way but it's like he didn't walk out like it would have been fine but he like mm -hmm. took it personally like that he couldn't get jango's wife back so it like then he was like, sorry, I couldn't resist, and then shoots him. And see, I think this movie has always focused more on Dr. Schultz than Django. You know? Yeah, like, almost, I think yeah. I consider Dr. Same. Schultz to be the main character, and Django uh, really? to be... Yeah, because when you think about it, like, it's all about him being uh, a bounty hunter, and he's helping Django. Yeah. So... Oh, okay, so he's kind of the hero... Know, yeah, I consider Dr. Schultz more of a hero because without him, Django would be in chains the whole time. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this whole movie wouldn't play out if it weren't for Dr. Schultz. So I've always loved Christoph Waltz over Jamie Foxx in this movie. Uh, I mean, he gave a. Jamie Foxx gave an awesome performance, and that guy, I. Yeah. You know, I love the character. Yeah, he, he's a, he's one of the, one of the best uh, right now, but I just. I don't know. I've just always thought Dr. Schultz, I've just kind of rooted for... I mean, they're both like on the same team, obviously, but like, I just thought he was a more interesting character. Like, I wanted to know more about him than Django, because Django was just kind of like quiet to himself. You know, he's just out to save his wife. Yeah, can you help me? Yeah, okay. That's kind of like who he is in the movie. And But Dr. Schultz is really like the genius behind it and everything. And so I've always just kind of liked him more. That That's probably just like the another problem I have with this movie is that like, I don't think this movie's really about Django. I think it's more about him. Do you think the movie would be better if they did make it more about Django? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if it's titled after him. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> if it was, you know what I mean? Like, if he... Yeah, I just feel like he, he didn't, like, bring that much to the table, rather, you know, compared to Dr. Schultz. But, yeah, I don't know, that's just my opinion on it. I just, yeah. I've, I was always just more interested in Christoph Waltz's character. Hmm. But, and uh, DiCaprio's character. Can, uh, Candy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought he was uh. uh Calvin Candy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was yep. interesting. He's a interesting one. I mean, I I think he was nominated for best supporting actor, but I think against. Chris I don't know, Fox. dude. But that's I just see Jamie Fox as like the supporting actor, and then really Christoph. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. That's just um, that's just my opinion. Um. So, Tarantino usually does this with his movies. Uh. But what did you think of the soundtrack? His, his... Uh, I had that written. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Dude, I thought it, it about brought me to tears when Jim Croce, right? Jim Croce? Yeah. How do you say that? When they're like tra their traveling scene, when the, the word Mississippi like 
goes across the screen real <laughs> big. They're traveling to, they're like traveling up north. They go, are they going from Mississippi to Colorado? I can't remember which part it was at. There's two like traveling scenes. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And it was like just such a great song for that moment. Um, they also had the original Django Unchained um, like song. Mm-hmm. Which is in the I think it's in the out the like outro credits, but it's like the original. I think it was a was it originally a TV show or a, I can't remember if it was originally a movie or TV show. He like kind of borrowed yeah. the idea, but they had like the original song, and then there's that random Rick Ross song actually. Song. Yeah, dude, that's like, what I was about to I, say. I've heard people I've heard people like hate that. They're just like, oh, that was so stupid. The question I thought it was the coolest part of that movie. I thought it was too, when and it it's already, so like, Tarantino. Who he is, and he's like. He's, it's like showing how cool and just how mm-hmm. like powerful of a guy Jamie Foxx is because he's done all the shooting. He's like kind of gone over the top. He like <laughs> whipped the Brittle Brothers, and he even talked to Dr. Schultz. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I was I think it was a tad overzealous, uh, like whipping the Brittle Brothers back and like shooting him while he's riding his horse. So he's like, uh, and he's so he's already. I don't know, he's just a super cool character, and in that moment when he kind of just sticks it to Calvin Candy, like, tells him what's going to happen, then yeah. he's like, I thought that was the coolest part, and then to to bring in that song, I thought was pretty sick. But. And that's thing, too, he has such a, uh, Django has such a big ego in this movie. Yeah, like, he, and that's, like he kind that's of think he runs perfect. the place. Yeah, the... song's just like about, it's like, I need a hundred black coffins for a hundred bad men. It's just talking about, like, he's like, I need all these coffins for all these people I'm going to kill. It's such a Tarantino so move, dude, like, to play yeah. a... a a Rick Ross song in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, cause it's just so, so cool. it's just so unexpected and like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like this does not follow yeah. through with the film, but that's what makes it his own films. Tarantino doesn't yeah. typically go with the Hollywood routine. You know, he doesn't yeah. follow the blueprints of other directors. He, he makes like what he wants to make. And, uh, so that's kind of cool. That's what I do respect about him a lot is that he'll just, he'll just throw that Rick Ross and it's all, you can't be mad at it. Cause it's like, okay, that's, he also doesn't have a lot of like background songs, so like a lot of movies you see during like a dinner table scene like that, when kind of tensions are rising, they would have like a background song. Oh right, yeah, they'll playing. have like an actual he like. He doesn't. He just lets the dialogue set the tension level, and then he'll have like transition songs and stuff like that, like when they're writing. But he rarely has songs with other people. Yeah, he keeps it quiet. Them. He lets the people do the talking yeah, instead dude, of adding like, an instrumental. Ins- yeah, instead of like soundtracks. the music, which. Mm-hmm. Which don't get me wrong, I yeah. I love movie soundtrack. I think movie soundtracks is honestly like, I mean, like it, the soundtrack a, to plays a big part. Without it, the movie would be lame. But like the yeah. the soundtrack to Inception like sets the tone of the entire second half of the movie with like the foghorn sound. Movie soundtracks are this, like, one he of my just favorite lets things. The dialogue too. To it. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what he does in most of his movies too, which is cool. Uh, I love Max Richter. Um, yeah, the movie soundtracks honestly I think is what uh is a it, it plays a key role in a film. Like you have to have a yeah. uh, there's a lot of key roles to make a good film, but a movie soundtrack is definitely up there. It's one of the top. Yeah. But um, yeah, he uh, he he makes it his own for sure. It makes it unique, and that's what makes a Tarantino film, which is um, cool. So I definitely respect I that. I have a question: Is did you find the movie funny at all? Like another. I find it hilarious. I thought it was. It is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And that's what he does well too. So he funny. he inserts comedy at appropriate times <laughs> and makes yeah. it hilarious yeah like we gotta talk about the kkk scene because that's one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie that is one of the funniest scenes in a in any movie i've ever seen like it's so perfectly made in the jonah hill cameo it's not like slapstick comedy and it's not like will ferrell comedy it's Mm. just like 
Oh, I don't know, it's just goofy and yeah, it's hilarious. It, it's it's such a it's such a good scene, dude. That that's one of the best scenes in the movie for sure. But it doesn't take away from the movie at all, I guess. And that's another thing that it's... Tarantino does. He'll add like these random scenes, you know, <laughs> like it'll just be totally out of nowhere. Doesn't really advance the plot in any way. Like you could honestly say that movie, if the, if that KKK scene wasn't in the movie, it would matter. It doesn't affect the yeah. plot in any way. It, yeah. it really doesn't. But it's just funny that he does that. He just adds extra scenes <laughs> that just don't, like, oh, it's like, a, it's just scene, for man. the viewer's pleasure, you know? It's just hilarious. Uh, that scene, then there's so many little things in that movie that aren't, because most movies that are intentionally comedies yeah. are, try, try to make it obvious what they find, what they're trying to go for. This one is like, there are little things in the background, little things people say that are so funny that you don't even realize. And if you're not looking, like, I have, there's a few things I haven't noticed, like the like uh, I've seen this movie like twelve times. It's like the third or fourth time I watch it, and I've never seen. I've like never noticed some stuff, and it's so funny. Like yeah, KKK just little scene, details. How, if you look at some of the guys in the background, their hoods, their eyes. Some of them, one of them doesn't even have one eye. He has one eye and not the other. I noticed and that then too. The other one's like their slit is like the slit is like sideways, but it's like probably the width of a penny. It's like there's no way. Yeah. Through. No, and I noticed that too. And one guy's like down by his mouth, and he like pulls <laughs> down his eye hole and spits through his eye hole. Oh, it's so funny. And then not too the, good. Not too good. And then when they finally decide to wear the the bags over their heads, the next scene is like if if you're just looking at the cart that they're riding around, what they think they think Dr. Schultz is in there. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, they're riding around. They wore the bags. But if you look at the horses, they're like running into each other and like the horses yeah, they're, don't know what's they're going running around on. like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so they're trying funny. To circle this thing and they they're can't. just not organized at all. Um, I, it's I, what, perfect. I thought of some other little Tarantino stuff. Someone always gets shot in the genitals in his movie. Yes. Always. Hateful yeah. Eight, this movie, and Glorious Past. Someone always gets shot in the genitals. Um, That's true. He likes those genital shots. Yeah, a lot of blood in his movies, I feel like. That was going to be... Okay, so it's actually your question, but I'm just going <laughs> to hijack it. So what do you think keeps people from hating or from watching this movie? What What stops people from enjoying it? So, we we've talked about this previously. It's like the difference in film, and like cinema, film, and movies. Mm-hmm. And like I can't anymore watch like a movie. I can't just watch like Marvel. If I know, if I start a movie, I know exactly what's gonna happen. The whole movie, I can't watch it. I'll fall asleep every time. So They're... I think people expecting this to be like a run of the mill western. Kind of like I think that what keeps people from liking this is starting it and expecting expecting it to be like Magnificent Seven. Where it's just, oh, there's these bad guys. Oh, come save us, cowboy. And then the cowboy right. comes and saves them, and that's it. No, and I, this one's so much deeper than that. I totally agree. So there definitely is uh, a Hollywood um, blueprint that everyone's going by. And, yeah. dude, movies are just getting less original nowadays. Yes, um, you have and all these. There's like a formula that every movie goes through where it's like right. there's a problem, there's someone to, like a, a person who seems you know, underwhelming to solve the problem. There's like a, you know, this figure that comes mm-hmm. and redeems the plot and stuff. But it's, it's, literally it's gotten to where it's like just a copy and paste where it's, oh, we'll replace New York City with LA and then the, whatever villain the Avengers are fighting. It's yeah. just a little bit different. And so like, they make no effort. So originality is just definitely dropped in the past, I'd yeah, say, 10 years. Yeah. So like the book I'm reading, um, Sleepless in Hollywood, as I, I, I think I told you about it a long time ago, but yeah. it, it's written by uh, an ex-producer who worked in Hollywood for many years, and she basically just talks about how much has changed and how movies are being made and how 
people are just now focusing more on remakes and reboots, and it's like that's just that's just personally what I don't want. I don't care about a remake or a reboot. I don't care what movie it is. I, I want something original. And even if the original movie isn't the best, I still respect it and would rather see that more than um, Ghostbusters with a female cast. You know what I mean? It's like like no one's asking for that. It's just being made. And same with the new the uh, Ocean's 8 movie. It's like, I yeah. mean, I, Hollywood just has to, you know, oh, we have Ocean's 11 with an all-male cast. We have to remake it with a women's cast because yeah. it's 2018. It's, like, like it's not necessary. Good to start. And it's not sexist. It's just not necessary. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of my, uh, a really good film that came out last year was It Comes at Night with Joel Edgerton. And it's just a, an indie thriller. Um, and it's really good. And a lot of people didn't like it because the director purposely inserts questions that you as a viewer have to ask yourself. And a lot of people get got mad because they're like, I don't get it. Like it doesn't show anything like that's, it kind of makes you question yourself and you have to think yeah. a little bit. And I love those kind of movies and especially indie films. And it was completely original. It was just a good movie. And I would much rather, you know, watch that than the new poltergeist, the remake of the new poltergeist, you know, cause <laughs> it's just like, I've, we yeah. first of all, we've already seen this. And the original was good. Why do I want to watch one that's been made 25 years later that's just awful? You know, it's yeah. like that's not what we want, but that's what Hollywood can't get through their, you know, their minds yeah, is that, like, I we have to make remakes. Cause yeah, it's, yeah. Because it's easy. It's easier to remake it's a film that's already been done. And it's a, yeah, it's a cash grab. And, and that's what annoys me. With the rock and, you know, exactly. You know, it's going to make millions of dollars. Why not just do that? And it takes, you know. And that's time. why they're still happening is because they make yeah. money. Like we comment on how dumb they are and how people don't want it. But yet, if you look at the box ratings, you know, it's, they're making millions. Yeah. They're, they're making more than other films. And like, um, one of my favorite films uh of all time my favorite director is Denis Villeneuve I don't know if like you knew that or not but Denis Villeneuve is, one of my, is probably one of my favorite directors of all time so when Blade Runner 2049 came out and I knew and see here's the thing there's very few directors who make especially nowadays who you know the film's going to be good yeah no matter who it is yeah. Tarantino is one of them Christopher Nolan uh Denis, obviously, yeah. Denis Villeneuve. There's those few directors who make original films. They change it up rather than the Hollywood routine, and yeah. it's you know it, it's just a much it's just a film that's a masterpiece. And it's worth seeing. And Blade Runner 2049, I I consider that movie to just be a, a masterpiece. Really? Um, oh, yeah. I, I love everything about that movie. The acting, the cinematography. The cinematography was the uh, DOP is Roger Deakins, who is a, yeah. one of my... He's kind of the DiCaprio of the DOP industry. He's okay. He's been nominated for like 14 Oscars for cinematography, and he's only won one. And the first <laughs> one he won was Blade Runner 2049 this year. Uh, and I think he's yeah. one of the best ones. But anyway, so I think yeah. It's like just the straight up carnage in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's just like he turns. You know, has a thing where he makes his movies especially gory and bloody, which I don't have a problem right. with. I think it's kind of cool. So it's like literally, people get shot and blood just like flying in the air. And that's so, what I was gonna. That's why I was leading that question of what keeps people from liking this movie was, I would have to say 
either the racism or the violence. That's always been a thing for Tarantino yeah. working against him is the violence because a lot of people just think it's unnecessary. But if you watch um, interviews with Tarantino and people, there's like a viral video of him on some news channel and a woman asks, I think it was when um, Kill Bill came out maybe, she was asking um, why so violent? Like why is there just so much blood? And he's just like, because it's fun. You know, he's like, I just, it's my <laughs> movie. He, he is a weird <laughs> yeah. guy. Not the best actor either. He always tries to slip himself in his movies. Um, but you know, he's just, he just like, it's fun. It's what I like. And I think it makes it my movie. Just, just this over the top gore and violence you know in his films. Yeah. yeah. And and so you just did kind you, of you expect it. Movie, oh yeah. This movie was definitely I'll bloody, especially the shootout I mean, at the no, end. I mean, did you notice him as a, slipping himself in? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The, one of the final scenes when I, he's like, I and he blows himself up with dynamite. He's like, here's some dynamite for you. He the dynamite at these guys. <laughs> And they freak out. That was oh, crazy. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, see so that acting's kind of, yeah, it's kind of heavy. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Yeah, he gets he gets blown up down on my, yeah, but he always puts himself I do like that he uses the same actors in, like, every movie. He uses Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio in a few, a few, right? Wait. No, he hasn't used Leonardo. No, this is his first one, I think. His last one. Um, the guy I think who his... plays um, the, in, who, whoever plays the guy who's saying he's the new sheriff of Red Rock and Hateful Eight. Um, it's the guy who says you're gonna rotten hell to Django in this movie, and then Django says the D silent hillbilly and shoots him in the knee. That guy is in like two or three of them, but he's kind of a small role. Oh, uh, uh, Walton Goggins is, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's in, in both movies, though, he calls Django. Uh, someone calls him hillbilly, which is kind of funny. Oh, he's, I never noticed that. He's been called hillbilly in like two different movies. Yeah, he um, he is in a he's in hateful eight. Yeah. And... I love. I mean, I love Samuel L. Jackson. He's a great. Yeah, Tarantino loves Samuel oh, Jackson. I, so a quick thing, which I don't know if this is even a good talking point. There's a fan theory that's, and I don't know how you feel about fan theories. I could not possibly really care less about them, um, unless uh, it's like Star okay. Wars. Yeah, but there's a theory, which is not really a fan theory. It's like people think there's like a hidden message, and it's that um, Samuel L. Jackson and his character was kind of running the show the whole time, even though, like, Calvin Candy was in charge. Because mm-hmm. at the end, when it's just Jamie Foxx, and Samuel L. Jackson's character, right? He literally drops his cane and just stands up straight and walks fine. So there's like a theory that, that is true. Yeah, there's a theory that, and then like he brings Calvin Kenny back and he tells him what's going on with them trying to get his wife back, and he gets him to to like call yeah. him out on it. And he's in charge of people in the kitchen, and it talks about how the old Ben, who was in, who was the house guy of his dad, cut his dad's uh, beard, like shaved his dad's beard with a straight razor every day, mm-hmm. and like could have cut his throat at any time, but he chose not to. So it kind of seems like Samuel L. Jackson's like running the show, like behind the scenes, and then in the end, when he realizes that there's no one left but him and Jamie Foxx, he like kind of gives up on the act. That's interesting. I've never, uh, I've never heard of that, but I did notice. Yeah, I do remember that part when he puts his cane down. He obviously is somewhat of an intellectual because he notices the relationship between Django yeah, and his wife yeah. before anyone else. Man, his character's so funny. Um, yeah, he's funny. The, the scene, this movie's so long. It's hard to like have enough time yeah to most of his movies are pretty lengthy minutes, but um something else funny i noticed was which is kind of sad if it happened you know in real life but it's when the whole thing goes down inside the house Django pretty much shoots everyone and they take him away and calvin candy's dead christoph waltz is dead. everyone's dead you know inside like right. the, the foyer of this mansion Candyland. Um, yeah in the same place where 
Samuel L. Samuel L. Jackson drops his cane in the end. That same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Django goes through the whole thing with Tarantino, comes back eventually to to find them. They finish them off and get Brumhilda. But basically, they like had a funeral for everyone uh, that was killed, <laughs> and like they come back into the the uh, foyer of the of Candyland Mansion, mm-hmm. and all the bodies are cleaned up, but like there's still blood and stuff, and it's right, like, and they're like the crying and they're sad, mm-hmm. and then Jango's like gets their attention, <laughs> and it starts killing them all again, <laughs> and it's like. I just thought it was so funny. They literally had just finished cleaning these up. Yeah, they just cleaned the place And he comes up. back and just starts killing him again. In and the same place. And that is like a little bit over the top. It's like, and he shoots like Miss Daisy or whatever for no reason. He's just like, say bye. This yeah, like, bye. say bye. And she's like, bye. Her. And she flies and back in the room. No to shoot her. Um, so yeah. there is a lot of shooting. That was this, funny. Another thing, which I don't know how much time we have left. Um, You're good. But this is one of the, the, I would say it's the most quotable movie I've ever seen. I quote Django constantly. And, dude, this has some of the, to me, the best quotes ever. It does. Uh, I couldn't tell you that many quotes from it just because I haven't watched it that much. But, yeah, I, <laughs> it, I would say, like, it definitely does have a lot of quotes. Uh, I love it. Um, anything else? Um, yeah, so what do you think? Again, this is <laughs> one of your questions that I'm hijacking. Uh, what would you think could be done better? For this film, dude, I don't, that's a hard question for me. Well, because yeah, since you're such a big fan of this film, and there's to me, there's almost nothing wrong with this movie. I I would say I would tone back the killing innocent people, like straight up people who weren't doing anything. Yeah, shots. <laughs> that was a little like okay, what the like when he you know say bye Miss Daisy, she goes bye Miss Daisy. Yeah, she's her, literally she's just standing there, and that's his like sister wife thing. Oh, it was kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> he says how's my nice and says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I was just like it was I mean, that's probably gonna get people to like not like the movie. Like, cause to me that's fine. You know, it's a movie. He can do whatever he wants, and he's cool. But it's right. like, okay, it's like you're literally murdering innocent people now. Um, another thing is, I don't, I don't know if I can think of another thing. I think it was just well, you so apparently consider this movie to be the greatest film of all time. So I don't like know. it's, and that's not even like what I just said isn't even a problem for me. It's like it's, I don't care if other people like it. I think it's right. Amazing. I think it, like this movie is to me like a perfect mix of action, like comedy, drama. Mm-hmm romance even which you know not yeah. there for but it's like just the right amount of romance like it's him getting his wife back and like history i started you know in like cinematography i just like the perfect mix of all that you know but i mean so right what they could have done better uh, i don't i don't really know um really so we uh we kind of already went over this but what i think they could have done better is make Django more of a main character oh okay yeah yeah like i said i feel like the film revolves more around dr schultz over Django. And which I, I think he's an interesting character, but I just was never overall interested in Django that much, just because like he's yeah. just kind of like a boring to himself kind of guy, which I don't know, I just don't find as interesting as Doctor Schultz. So that's just what okay. I would change. But um, yeah, since he is kind of that boring to himself guy, I wish they would have made it so when he is he is with Bromhilda, he's like a little bit he like lets his guard down a bit, even mm-hmm. though like they're doing it in secret and he's like trying to. No, so you're in secret. Like he would let, like, and that's again one of those quotes when he kicks the door and says, you know, hey, the little troublemaker, and she like faints and falls to the ground. That was about as like 
emotional as he gets. Yeah, so pretty if they would have like had him had like a real con- better connection between him and his wife. It would have been that's yeah, true. I like never really invested f- in him getting her back. I never really felt them as a couple because yeah. they weren't really together. First of all, throughout the film, and when they were, there wasn't much exchange and dialogue between the two. So it's like I don't feel like they're even married because like it's just. I don't know, but yeah, that is yeah, a good point. Yeah, I guess it's because they're like married before the movie even started, but right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, um, okay, so that pretty much does it for me. I mean, yeah. we would give it an overall score. Uh, if you have one in mind, if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like I already know what your I mean, score is. Perfect, ten yeah, out whatever, of ten. Whatever the <laughs> I, it's hard for me. To, I have to like dig to find anything wrong with this movie, and I get that super biased and like. Everyone's got. The, everyone feels that way about some movie, and right. I definitely have. I'm sure, I have very subjective rose-colored glasses on. I get there's probably. Like I, I didn't like a movie. I don't care about that much. I could probably find something wrong with it, but I love this movie oh, yeah. so much that I can't. So I'm definitely. definitely that's how I am with Blade Runner 2049. I think that movie <laughs> is just one of the best movies ever made. But I'm sure a lot of nice. people can find something wrong. But uh, I give it a. Rival too. Yeah, rivals you want to. I would give it a solid 7.9. Okay. Very specific. Eight, not a full 8. Not not there. Not 8 <laughs> material, but almost 8 material. Is there something that would give it that one tenth of a point to go over to an 8? Yeah, make Django the main character. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would push it over. Oh, yeah, I feel like that would be like a big chunk. It's just like, you know. It would. Uh, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel too 80 for me. Uh, 7.9 is what okay. I'm going to give it. Okay. So, what did you watch this week? Anything? Anything? This week, yeah. yeah or, um, or recently. This week. This is, what I like to do is I don't, I have to be in the mood to watch a movie. Like, mm-hmm. I literally will put my phone down in the other room. Like, I turn on a movie, I get a, you know, make myself a cup of coffee, and I sit there and watch it. I don't right. like to be distracted because I want to, like, completely take in a movie, like, for all it is. Um, so, I didn't watch anything this week. I watched... Uh, what is that movie with the the bubble thing? That's like it was supposed to be like a, a rival, but it was kind of a flop. Oh, the wee 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 wee. Yes. Um, I watched that in man. We could talk about that one eventually, but it is. It was pretty. I haven't seen it. What it is that? Uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Annihilation, but I do want to watch that. Recently, okay. but I have. I've seen Arrival, and so I have this weird thing where if something is so good, if it's a music, if it's a song, sorry, or if it's a movie a music. or a book, I'll re- if it's a music, I'll read it once and then not touch it again for a very long time. Because I'm like, okay, that thing's too perfect. I don't want to keep like that, listening to it, and then it depreciates its value to me. That is how I feel about The Revenant. I think that movie yes, is yes. very good, but I can only watch it so many times because I don't want to, yeah, burn out on like myself. Like Revenant, the first time you watch it is darn near like a perfect movie, like all natural lighting, incredible acting, it's amazing. great story. The making of that like, movie okay. is like more interesting than the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Like, okay, I'm gonna watch this once, and then I did it with songs. I'm like, okay, that song was perfect. I'm not gonna listen to it for a very long time unless mm-hmm. it's like a very special occasion. So I, every year on my birthday, I watch Django, or like on like. Uh, Christmas, I'll watch Django. Um, but, yeah. th- I mean, I've watched... I uh, All that to say, I watched Arrival, and it was one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I've never been more shocked yeah. by Hey, anything. that's that's Denis Villeneuve, my favorite director. Yeah, so I, oh, is it? 
Yeah. Dude, we should do that one. So I, I have Rival's a Rival Blu-ray sitting on my shelf, and I haven't opened it because I'm nervous to watch it. Oh, and yeah, like, dude. Rival's it. good. I'm, so I'm letting it a while. So that's what I watch. What about yeah, you? Yeah, dude. Man, yeah, he's he's definitely, I think, one of the best directors working out there today. And he's kind of underrated. Like, a lot of people don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, they know the movies he makes, but they like, Christopher Nolan, everyone knows who Chris Nolan is. Like, they know his films. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Christopher Nolan. Not a lot of people really, like, understand like that that's a Denis Villeneuve movie so he did Sicario okay. Arrival Blade Runner 2049 Sicario you really like Sicario didn't you? I like Sicario Prisoners which Ooh, is another wow. good one Enemy he directed all of those yeah Dang, I Enemy which is great and the uh the composer for those movies was Johan Johansson but he passed away like uh, a couple months ago but he was one of my favorites too he Denis and Johan were like the Nolan and Hans Zimmer. That's kind of oh, like yeah. what like, I compare them to. They're like, both uh, they both George use each Lucas other. What's John Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of use each other in a lot of their films. But um, yeah, cool. yeah Sicario's yeah, that dude's just killing it. Apparently, dude. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he he's <laughs> one of the. I think he's one of the greater directors working today. But not a lot of people like really know of him. Yeah. But he makes these fantastic films. Movies. Right. They didn't realize he directed all of those. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's not like a Tarantino or a Nolan. Uh, yeah. yeah, Sicario is a really good one. I hated it upon my first viewing, but the more I watched it, the more I appreciated it. And now I own it, and I love it. And I actually saw <laughs> Sicario, the second one, which is in theaters right now. And honestly, I recommend it. I was very iffy about it when it came out, because, or when I saw trailers for it, because I love the first one so much. And it's just one of those films that kind of like, it ends. There's no yeah. need for a sequel. It ended. Their story wrapped yeah, up, yeah. and it's like it's done. And that's how pretty much all of Denny's films are: Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival. Like they're just films. They're they're their own film. They don't need a sequel. It's not. Yeah. It's not like a franchise or anything. So like, it was just one of those. It's like they made a Prisoners two, or an Arrival two. You know, that's that was in my head. I was like, they don't need a second Sicario. And I kept watching all the trailers. And I just. I don't know. It just didn't look, and it, it wasn't directed by Denis, so I was like, okay, it's a new director. Yeah. It did have Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro, which were the stars in the first Sicario, so I was like, okay, that's 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 <laughs> okay. But um, the the trailer just didn't catch me, and then I saw it in theaters, and it was it was so much better than I expected. Yeah, it was really good. I recommend it. You should check it out. So, Is there any movies you're planning on watching that you haven't yet? <sighs> I was planning on watching um, 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 there is one. Let me look it up real quick. I plan right now. I plan on watching Memento. Is that what it's called? Memento? Yes, that's one of Nolan's first films. I've seen really that. Good. Guy Pierce. Yes. I have also heard it's like eh, you know Caleb will say something good, but it's not this. It's. It it's good. It's just you have to pay attention to it. Okay. It's it's Which one I, of Nolan's. I love film. movies like that. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a good one. It's one so of Nolan's best. That's on my, it's on um, my shelf. Anyways, watch. the movie that I wanted to watch was Collateral, with Tom Cruise. Okay. Never seen it. I've always wanted to. So I will have nice. to check that out. Um. But yeah. So that is, I think, all the time that we have for today. All right. And this went by really fast. Well, it's already been. 45 yeah, minutes. <laughs> we didn't even. You can't even get into the specifics of Django because it's so long. Yeah. So perfect. So. Seriously, yeah. But uh, all right. So this was the clapboard. Thanks for Thanks. tuning in. Thank you. All right. You can hit.